I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. Welcome to episode 27 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we share how we plan our days, weeks, and months to stay on track. We make suggestions for how to stay focused and to pull ourselves out of overwhelm. Plus, we recommend our favorite tools, analog and digital, for making the most of your grand plans. One big thing I'm so excited to share with you is a language flip that Coach Jenny shared with me that has transformed my to-do list. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Andrea's question about seeing others break pandemic protocols and how that's impacting her mental health. If you're like me, you have all the lists. You have the post-its, the notebooks, the reminders, the notes on your phone, the list for this and the notebook for that, and the color-coded stickers and pens. You have iCal and Google Calendar and Asana and Trello, plus a paper desk calendar and a journal you carry with you and one that stays at your desk. And you're still behind. And one change means five changes, because if you change it on your iCal, you have to change it on your paper calendar, which means you have to change the action items in Asana. When it comes to buying a new calendar or planner, chances are you're filled with a mix of excitement to start new and fresh, and maybe a little bit of dread because none of these systems are just right. You've probably given up hope on finding the perfect system. I have given up hope. I am waving my white flag. I am waving my white piece of eight and a half by 11 paper because I cannot find the perfect system. And I have finally stopped fretting about the perfect system and I am letting it change and evolve no matter how many notebooks it takes. We are here to talk about some of the things that we do to stay organized, focused, and to not spiral into a mess of to-do lists and not getting anything done. And quite frankly, I'm over hacks. I am not here to hack my way to productivity. I am here to find a way to help me get shit done. Liz, I know you are excited about today's topic. What is coming up for you? Well, I I love a to-do list so, so, so much. To-do lists might be my love language. Love language uh, in addition to sandwiches. Uh, so I, I love a to-do list. I love a calendar. I've refined my system heading into 2021. I'm doing things a little bit differently this year. Not a giant change for me, but I have eliminated my giant paper calendar that sits on my desk. Wow, this is huge. Yeah, so I have talked about this on the podcast before that I write a weekly to-do list and then I take those tasks and assign them to days. And this is all done on paper. And then I was using my big paper calendar to, and that was essentially a giant content calendar for all of my clients. 
I didn't write anything else on this big calendar except for who got posts on what day, because I'm very much into using analytics to guide which day the posts go out. So that's all predetermined is what day everyone gets posts. But my partner got me the nicest, most beautiful planner for Christmas. I was one that I specifically asked for. I'm showing it to AWV. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so it is by The Completist which I will put the link in the show notes. And the way that this planner is put together is one side of the planner is your seven days and they don't have specific dates on them. Like January 21st is not on here. I get to write in whatever the day is. The one half of the book is for the seven days. And then the other half of the open page is just kind of blank space. So I've been able to use that blank space. And that's where I write all of the posts that I have for all of my clients for the week. So everything gets to live in the same notebook, which has been really, really great in terms of my productivity too, because I open up my planner and everything is there. And I'm feeling really, really, really good about it. And I was able to get something off of my desk too, which was nice. I loved that big paper calendar, but it feels a lot nicer in here to not have it because also by about March, like the corners have been folded up and like I've probably spilled coffee on it and it's just disgusting by the time Christmas comes around. So it's nice to have kind of a clean slate. Plus I've also committed this year to being a little bit nicer to my body in my office. I always work on a laptop and I've invested in like a monitor and an actual setup for this year. So I've kind of changed the whole productivity vibe in my office. So by eliminating the giant paper calendar and focusing on my beautiful completest weekly planner, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, you know, I still have all of those components like the weekly list and, and assigning it to dates and stuff, but I like the system that I'm using right now. I am still in shock and awe that you eliminated your big desk calendar, affectionately known over here as my granny calendar, because it is huge. And yes, I have carried it around. And I look at my one from last year and yes, the corners are a little bit bent. Anytime I get a, a stain from a drink or something that I'm eating, I always draw a little arrow and I write what I was eating at the time <laughs> from memory. It, it, my calendar is this place that is full of memories and things. In early December, I fractured my wrist and elbow, and that meant that I couldn't handwrite. I am left-handed. It was a, a massive impediment. And so now, while I have the use of my thumb back, my handwriting still isn't the same. So I'm here with my new granny desk calendar, and it has nothing on it. And I am finding myself double booking because I don't have that big visual piece. So this just goes to show that you have have outgrown this calendar for what you need. And yet I am still trying to find my way through it. Full disclosure, I have seen and used as a client, Asana, I know what Trello is. I call it productivity solitaire because it's all these sorting of different cards. And for me, it feels like the end of the solitaire game where all the cards are just madly spiraling out. That is how I feel about many of these digital tools. It is too much for me. So I go back to my old faithfuls and that is three things. Number one, my granny calendar, which for right now is on hold as I can't handwrite as much as I would like to, but I'm still sitting here affectionately touching it and looking forward to being able to use it. 
I feel like I should give you two a moment. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Unfortunately, this is not, this one has a little bit more color on it than I'd like. I couldn't find the perfect one. We could do an entire podcast episode on my calendar woes, but maybe that'll be a bonus episode. I don't know if we have time for that. But one other tool that I rely on is I do use iCal and I use it very strategically to map out my ideal week. So one of the things that I caught myself doing a lot of in 2020, and let's be honest, the last 10 years of my life is compromising my time. And anytime I had a space, I'm like, oh, that must mean I can fill it. So I would fill it to this point where it was overly full and then wonder, why am I stressed? Why am I burnt out? Why can't I manage this? And so I've had to learn and really take some time to go, that open space does have something in it. It has dedicated open space for me to work on something or to not work on something, but that space remains as mine. So in my iCal, I actually have a, a color-coded calendar that says ideal week. I map out half an hour every Monday morning to map out my ideal week. I have changed my client structures. So that I have fewer one-off clients and rather I have consistent clients. So for eight weeks in a row, I know they're mapped into that spot. That's kind of my big picture month and week. When it comes to day to day, I'm very curious about your completest planner. Shout out to Mike. Um, Mike, I'm going to add one of those to my wish list too. I'll send you my address. I'm sure he'd love to do that. <laughs> oh, and now I'm counting on it. Now I'm just going to check the mail every day. <laughs> I am a big fan of the productivity planner and we have talked about it before. It is intensive. Here are the things that I love about it. Number one, it is undated. So even though it operates in, in five day chunks, anytime I'm finding myself feeling a little bit lost or unproductive, or like I'm kind of spinning my wheels, I go back to my productivity planner. It has a lot of space for weekly reviews and weekly notes, but most importantly, it helps you get down to the one priority of the day. It says most important task of the day. And it has this beautiful prompt, which is if this was the only thing you did today, you'd be satisfied. And that sentence alone, there's like a physical sigh of relief that happens. I go, okay, if this is the only thing I did today, I'd be satisfied. Then it goes into my secondary tasks. Completion of these tasks will make my day even better. And finally, it has additional tasks. Do these only after you have completed the tasks above. And what I love about this planner is it is focused on completion and finishing. It even asks you to target how much time you think this task is going to take you because we have talked about Parkinson's law on the podcast before. If you give yourself time, you will fill it up. If I tell myself that it's going to take two hours to write a podcast script, it will take two hours. And if I tell myself it will take 25 minutes, it will take 25 minutes. So it forces me to also be more efficient with my time and to really challenge myself to get more done in less time and be much more efficient. If you want to hear a little bit more 
more about Parkinson's Law or the Productivity Planner because we have talked about it before, you can head back to episode 14, which is all about processes, productivity, and how to prioritize for self-preservation. For those of you who are making resolutions or setting goals for yourself for the year, self-preservation and self-care might be on that list. So we, uh, we have even more suggestions back in episode 14 for you to ponder. I promised that I would include a Coach Jenny game changer in here. And that piece is all about finish lines. So instead of talking about what are the tasks on your to-do list, she changes the language to say, what are the finish lines you're going to cross? Instead of starting, instead of kind of sort of doing this thing, what am I actually going to finish? Liz, I see you contemplating that language. What's on your mind? I really like that. I will write work on task on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, whereas maybe I could just write like finish task for Thursday. Yes, um, that's that the might- magic to move yeah. from like, I'm working on, I'm thinking about. It's taking it from thinking into action. Mm-hmm. And I, I use finish sometimes when I'm planning things out because it's like, okay, LP, like enough is enough. You've been piddling away on this for four days now. You have to finish the freaking thing tomorrow. But I wonder if I was stronger with using that language, if I would be better off. Well, and better off might just mean it means you don't carry the task over three or four days. It's like, no, I am finishing this. And one thing that I know and love about you is that you obliterate that task. Your to-do lists are like harshly crossed out. It goes through to like the next five sheets of paper because you are so intense about finishing. When I am done a notebook and you flip through it, no one has ever no one has any idea what I accomplished because yeah, those items are dead to me. I've crossed them out so, so, so much that we've moved on. (laughs) We're moving on to the next thing and that thing is gone. I love it. So when I have things that are on my mind that aren't things I'm going to finish or that I'm quote unquote working on, but are swirling around in my brain, I'm a big fan of putting it on paper. I have called this a worry list. Sometimes I just write down my worries or my anxieties or stresses so that they're on paper and not in my head. But oftentimes I just call it my on my mind list and I write everything and anything that I am thinking about. Sometimes it's work, sometimes it's personal, it's frustrations, it's joys, it's tasks, it's go to the post office. It can be any number of errands, tasks, but it's just about getting it out on paper. So I find that the on my mind list is a great place to start anytime I find myself feeling overwhelmed. This will not surprise anybody. Liz and I talk fairly often, but there are times where we will set out and say, let's have a 30 minute or hour long conversation. Sometimes it's fries and cries. If you're familiar with that, we will meet for a good cry and some virtual French fries and talk out what's happening. And for that, I even have what I call the list, the L-I-Z-S-T, where I write down items that are specific for Liz. Yeah, we, if we know we're going to be FaceTiming Thursday afternoon, we've set it in our respective calendars earlier in the week. We, yeah, I love the list because sometimes it's a shared note 
like we use like the Apple sharing and so it shows up in my phone or it's a surprise to me what's going to be on that list by the time we get together. I don't think I get a cute name for a list, but I'm going to let you have that one. I can work on something if you'd like. (laughs) I would really like that. The purpose of what we're talking about is that you have to find a system that works for you and be okay with that changing and evolving. Liz is a great example of this saying the paper calendar was working for a really long time, the big desk calendar, and now it's cluttered in my space and I don't want it here anymore. So I'm going to find a new way. And maybe it's the passion planner. Maybe it's the productivity planner. Maybe it's a bullet journal. What matters is that you give yourself some space to try it out. Full disclosure, this episode came out of a question that a friend asked me and said, how do you stay organized? And it really made me stop and think about all of the things that I do and what tools I'm actually using. And so I want to take her idea and encourage you to ask the people in your life that you admire, that you respect, that you work with, and you see getting great work done and say, how do you do it? This is a trial and error system that continues to change and evolve. And so by sharing some of what we do, hopefully you can pick up some of the tips that work for you, take what works, leave what doesn't, and find your way. Speaking of doing what's right for you, I think today's WWAWD question will strike a chord with quite a few of our listeners. Our question comes from Andrea, who says, I really struggled with seeing people go on vacations, visit family, and blatantly break the rules around pandemic protocols. I can't take it. I know it's impacting my mental health. How do you keep your eyes on your own paper, stay in your own lane? I don't want to delete social media off of my phone. Is there anything else you think I could try? What do you think, AW? Ugh, what I think is you're right, this is hard. This is hard to watch. And perhaps equally hard to watch is the backlash and the complaining and the negativity that surrounds it. It is very, very hard to see this. And I think this is an interesting topic for today because we talked so much about evolving in how our productivity works and the tools that we work. And I think when it comes to social media, this is also an evolving place. That means that you can change your mind. It means that if what somebody is posting isn't working for you, you have a choice about how passive or active you are. If you want to be somebody who says something, you are allowed to do that. You can also be somebody who hits that unfollow button or that mute button. Liz has been an expert for me when I say, how can I keep this person here when I want to look at them, but not see their stuff all the time because it's too much. The internet is a noisy and overstimulating place. And I come back to this language of your phone is your own. If you don't want to delete social media, that is okay. You can stop following people. You can mute people because you can always add them back. I think the idea of unfollowing is hard because it feels so permanent. It feels like once I unfollow, this person is going to know and they're going to hate me or they're going to come to me and they're going to say, why did you unfollow me? They're going to assume the worst. If you are somebody who is noticing people following or unfollowing, 
I also encourage you to not take that so personally. Your social media is your own. You get to say and do what you want and share what you want. And that might come with people unfollowing. That person just doesn't need to see it in their lives right now. And that is okay. So I think where I really come back to is you have to do what is best for you. And everybody's best is different. And I hear you. It is very hard to see people going on vacations. It is hard to see people visit their family. It is hard to see people post plane photos and say, can't wait till I can fly again and sit here and be frustrated that they're not acknowledging their privilege. And I get to choose how much I see. On a technical level, you can also control the limits on your phone. Maybe there are certain times of the day where you're like, I'm just not going to look. I also know that in Instagram specifically, you can follow specific hashtags. And a year ago, it might have been super fun to follow the hashtag New Zealand, for instance. That's where my best friend lives. But you know what? That might be pulling up some vacation photos, and I might not be interested in that right now. So it might not just be people. It might also be hashtags that we've forgotten we're following. And so instead, double down on the content that does make you happy. It doesn't just have to be avoiding it or eliminating it. It can be instead intentionally looking at what does make you feel good. And when something doesn't make you feel good, what's the action that you take? Do you turn your phone off? Do you do something else? Do you intentionally pull up an account that does make you happy? So if you see this negativity, if you see people breaking the rules and it bugs you, is there a place you can jump back to? Is it a, a cat video or a, a Instagram dog that you follow that brings you some joy to put you back into this place. Liz, you're very much the Instagram expert here. And I know you are somebody who your job means that you can't delete social media off your phone. What advice would you give? It is a bummer that I can't delete social media off of my phone sometimes. Because some days I really feel it uh, that I wish that I could just log off, but I can't. Um, but that's okay. I've chosen this path for myself. I like to think of social media. You have your own little corner of the internet and you get to decorate it how you'd like, and you get to invite the people over that you want to invite and you get to create the feeds that you want. That's best serve you. So like A.W. mentioned, to unfollow people. If you're an active Twitter follower, use the function where you can mute words. You can mute entire phrases. You can mute people. You can block people. You can totally curate the space that you want. There are a lot of problems with social media. A lot of problems with social media. But you, there are things that you can do to make your space a little bit better. And I was doing a little bit of reflecting while AW was answer, answering this question. I need to take my own advice too. Uh, you know, I, I could take some time to really trim the fat on some of my social accounts with who I'm following. People who are disrespecting protocols, but also people who are going out of their way to react to those people who are breaking protocol is not great for my mental health because it's just a big circle of negativity. So I will also be taking my own advice and reclaiming my phone as my own and making my corner of the internet just a little bit brighter. 
I'm so glad to hear that. And I love how you talk about your corner of the internet. It is decorated how you want. You invite the people in that you want. You spend time with the people that that light you up and, and what their posts do for you. And this idea of curating your feed actually found, sounds kind of exciting to me. It doesn't sound, I, I'm all about obligation elimination and reducing dread. And so that to me sounds like, okay, great. We do spring cleaning. I might be doing some social media cleaning. What are the posts that I consistently scroll past or that I consistently roll my eyes at the stories? Maybe it's time for that to be gone. What I will tell you is I took a full two week break from social media. I deleted Instagram. I deleted Facebook. I don't really use Facebook that often anyway. And in fact, haven't put it back on my phone. And I will tell you when I put Instagram back on my phone, I was pleasantly surprised to learn that I didn't miss much. There were no crises that needed my attention. And I found that incredibly reassuring. So maybe I don't have to wait for a two week holiday break to delete it. Maybe I can just delete it on a Saturday, have a phone free day. And curating this feed, I think is, is something that can spark some joy if we wanna Marie Kondo this. But similar to picking your productivity tools, you have to find what is right for you. Thank you so, so much for your question, Andrea. Obviously, uh, it's something that AW and I feel pretty strongly about, and I'm sure that our listeners do as well. So thank you for sending that our way. Please, podcast peeps, send us your questions. You can send them through Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or through the contact form at theamandawagner.com. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We, of course, encourage you to sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com. And on whatever platform you are listening to us, we would love a rating and review. It helps people find us. It helps us really establish our corner of the internet and make it this wonderful place of ambition of bravery and of claiming your spotlight. If you are ready to make your calendar your bitch, if you are ready to make productivity the name of the game and get off of the sidelines and claim your spotlight and you need a strategist to help you make it happen, connect with me at theamandawagner.com or at theamandawagner on Instagram. And if you have questions about how to curate a social media feed that works for you and how to spark joy in your corner of the internet, please reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at Liz Pittman or LizPittman.com. Thank you again for joining us on our little corner of the internet. We are always happy to have you and delighted to be wrapping up January 2021 with you. Thank you for adding listen to the Amanda Wagner podcast to your to-do list this week. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, we'll see you on the internet. I got actual goosebumps there. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, we are good.